Welcome to It Just Makes Sense. The podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated, former lovers. That explores all the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It It Just just Makes Sense. Sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. In this episode, we are talking the third installment of the ID series, 1990's The Deadliest Decade. It's an ID series? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Episode three is titled Death of an Angel, and it takes place in New York City. Okay. Before we dive in, though, I want to touch base on a conspiracy theory that's been floating the internet lately, <gasps> and I want to know if you it, that Dolly Parton is covered... From her arms are covered in tattoos, and that's why she never wears anything sleeveless. Oh. Do you think so? I've so, never heard that really? one. I've heard it like multiple times, but it was always just like, I don't know, who knows? Because it's not part, like, she doesn't want people to see him because it's not part of like her image. Right. But then she just posted a picture of herself getting a vaccine, and she had like a shirt with like a hole in it just for like the vaccine. Really? And she was fully sleeved. So then I'm like, maybe she does have tattoos. Well, see, I think the more logical uh, reason for that is probably that she had bad plastic surgery. Like, she went to have... um, On her arms? Yeah, she probably had, like, bicep implants or something. Because she's a big proponent of plastic surgery. Like... I guess. Why would she have tattoos all over her arms? I don't know. Maybe in her off It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's a conspiracy theory going around. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, right? it is a good I kind of believe it. Hmm. But why would she be embarrassed? Because she she wants like a wholesome image. Her prim and properness. Yeah. Huh. Maybe. Also, I don't remember. This is my problem. I think I have like adult, adult ADHD because yes. I take in so much content constantly that I don't mm. remember if I saw something from TikTok, Instagram, a podcast, whatever. But somewhere, some thing was talking about like which 90s or 2000s girl, like teenage celebrity or pop star would you want to babysit your kid and i was like miley cyrus 100 percent because then her godmother dolly parton would really babysit oh you know? like, good one and then maybe i could meet dolly parton oh good one plus she like writes books for kids so anyways so back to the story at hand okay I didn't want to tell you, I watched, I started to watch Party Monster today. Oh, uh, okay. So I had to you, turn it off. It was horrible. Okay. You ruined my ending to the uh, whole podcast. It was just a line where I was going to say, your teenage heartthrob, Macaulay Culkin, isn't it? I'm obsessed with Macaulay and, Culkin. He was horrible in it. Yeah. They said, so at, as I was reading other things about this podcast or about this episode, they were like, that movie is a horrible facsimile of... Oh, really? Yeah, they're like, it's so I bad. I probably watched like an hour of it. But oh, like, really? the acting was horrible. I was like, what the heck? And that says a lot for you because you like some bad shit. I do. But I was, I started to watch it because I couldn't really follow this episode that well. I don't know. It was confusing to me. So I was like, maybe this movie would help me like know more about the characters. Yeah. I didn't. So anyways, let's get started. Well, so let me say... Like this, like you're saying, how it's hard to follow. This episode really left some things to be desired. It didn't connect very well the dots, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I don't was you, like so confused. Don't you remember? There was definitely a Sword and Scale podcast oh, episode was? about it. I'm pretty. We don't talk about that. One. I, I did in my notes. I put the podcast 
formerly known as SMS or something like that. <laughs> but no, there there definitely was. It might not have been that one because you listen to so many of them. But yeah. I know that I listened to this somewhere else. And there was way more detail. And so this is um, a combination of things. Um, that podcast, uh, an article from The Guardian, which was really oh, interesting. The that Guardian you should go, is the best articles. Okay, it's with the killer. The, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it. I wanted a little more out of it, but it's good. And um, obviously, our fave Wikipedia. Yes, always. So, so I was reading Wikipedia too. Are you from? Were you familiar with Club Kids Not before really. this? Me neither. Like I knew, I knew of it, and I knew like the scene, but it was way before our time. Not way before; it was before our time. Well, I mean, it wasn't before our time, but I was I was an actual kid when it was Club Kids. That's what I mean. Like I yeah. was like. 10, yeah. 11, when it was... So it was early 90s to mid 90s when Club I Kids mean, were a big deal. I started first grade in 1993. So like, right. you know what I mean? Right. We weren't like part but, of that scene. So I started learning about them because of Drag Race. And like, because mm-hmm. there was a mm-hmm. there was a girl or one of the queens. I can't remember which season, but anyways, she was a club kid and she dressed in the outlandish fashions yeah. that they did. For our listeners, if you're thinking, if you're trying to think about a club kid, if you don't know what we're talking about, think about like Lady Gaga meets mm-hmm. Cher. Think Madonna's cone bra on a man dressed in blue latex. Like crazy, crazy yeah. shit. Like it wasn't wild. until I watched Party Monster, I was like, oh, they like it was went wild. all out. Yeah. It was wild. They wore so many different things. Yeah. So they were self-described rejects, nerds, and freaks. They came from everywhere. They wanted to live their truth. Many of the club kids were of the community, LGBTQI. So now this murder takes place across the backdrop of of New York City in the early 1990s to mid-1990s. In May 1996, Rudy Giuliani was the mayor. New York City was no longer this seedy underground. It was the Big Apple where everyone wanted to live, work, and play. Side note. Like, I, obviously because we weren't old enough, but I never realized that New York City was not a good place to be. Like, I just always like thought it was a huge say, tourist destination, but... Yeah, they say, like, like, in the 70s and 80s, like, it was more viewed as kind of like a... Hooker's job, hooker, Yeah, that yeah. type of thing. Um, but I don't know, like, because, again, growing up, we were in a different time frame. I always viewed it, and especially because, like, I got my views of New York City from, like... Sex in the City, Gossip Girl, like, mm. and so I viewed it more as like a upper, you know, upper east bougie. side, bougie, yeah, yeah. rich type place that like I could never live in. You know what I mean? I just was always fascinated by drugs and hookers, like, yeah, like I didn't view it as like a rave club kid type place. No, no. During this time, the club kids took uh, clubs to the clubs to storm to party and play. They were fun. They were outrageous, bombastic. The most outrageous of all of them was Michael Alec. Alec was an infamous club kid who would do anything to promote a club or a party. His themes ranged from blood and guts to heaven and hell. One of Alec's biggest claims to fame were throwing what he called outlaw parties. These parties were essentially to troll the cops. They were held in public areas where they weren't supposed to be, often in burger joints or even a subway car. People heard by word of mouth, via the phone, or from another person... No texts, no DMs. Right. How crazy is That's that? That's what I found so wild. Like, they could get so many people, people at these to parties show up. that, like, 
it was all just word of mouth yeah. or like flyers. The flyers they oh, made yeah, 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 yeah. were flyers. so cool. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, they really were like graphic design artists. <laughs> like they were cool, you know. I should buy some of those now. I bet you can find them online. Oh, like yeah, like authentic. Old ones? Yeah, sure. that'd be cool. Yeah. So uh, the parties didn't last long. They were often busted up by the cops, but always the club kids showed up dressed to the nines. In addition to the outlaw parties, Alec was the main promoter for clubs owned by renowned club owner Peter Gation. Gation was a Canadian-born businessman who wore an eye patch and was somewhat mysterious. So Dylan McDermott played him in the I movie. I saw that. I love Dylan McDermott. Me too. Did you but see- I, I didn't get that too far into the movie where oh. he was like part of it. Did you see him in the new Law and Order? No, it's not. Well, the first, the premiere just came out last week, and I find him unconvincing as a villain because he's always like, yeah, a good guy, yeah. But whatever, I'll keep watching. Gation hired Alec and the club kids to keep his clubs packed. One of the most popular clubs was called Limelight. It was a vast space that became home to hundreds of club kids. Everyone was welcome there. During this time, the club kids often made appearances on TV shows like Geraldo. Really? Oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember when they showed the clip, I remember seeing this particular episode. Oh, really? As a panel, yeah. I remember being a kid and seeing it, but I don't really remember much about it. But, so the club kids included people like RuPaul. RuPaul was an actual club kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Michael Tron, who is in the show. Michael Alec. And then Andre Melendez, a.k.a. Angel. So Andre Angel was known as Angel because of his propensity to wear angel wings. He was born in Colombia and his family moved to New Jersey when he was eight. He wasn't originally a club kid. He was what was known as a peer queen, a more rough and tumble group of gays who knew how to fight. So when I learned of these, I was like, I definitely would have been a peer queen. Right? I would have been a club kid. Yeah. For sure. I wouldn't have been either. No. Uh. <laughs> no. No. I would have... No. I mean, I like to think I'm rough and tumble, but let's be honest. It's not really the case. <laughs> they would have been like, man, uh. get out. <laughs> so one night in Limelight, Angel met Michael Alec, the club kid celebrity. Angel and Michael hit it off and quickly moved in together. Many of the people thought they were an odd pair because Alec was a big personality that shined, and Angel didn't get along very well with anyone. He did have one huge asset, though. He was a drug dealer. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What kind of drugs? Everything. Dealt all all the drugs. So I feel like a lot of them did, like... um, what is it called? Like where Ketamine. Yeah, where you make it though, like crack, oh. meth. Yeah, Molly. Like special K ecstasy stuff that's made in a lab, not like I forget the name of what they crystal call meth. It. Yeah, yeah, crystal. There's like a certain term for it though. Narcotic. No, no, not later. I don't know. So Angel with his big white angel wings was infamous and a very successful drug dealer. After all, he was easy to spot with the wings. I really thought it was wild that so many people knew that he was a drug dealer. But I guess if, uh, like, he's not well-renowned outside of the club, but they made it seem like he was super well-known. Like, how did he get arrested? I just thought it was really weird. I mean, think about how many people know someone's a mob boss and kill people, but he's not arrested. I guess. 
Hmm. Anyways. Or like in high school, you know who the drug dealers are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone knows who it is. Who it is. Yeah, I guess you're right. So at Limelight, the staffers of the club would often hand out free drug samples to partygoers to get them hooked. And as their luck would have it, they would need to buy from Angel. Have you ever done synthetic drugs? That's what I was thinking Uh, of. Have you ever done... um, like fake marijuana, synthetic no. marijuana, me no. either. I always wondered why people would ever do it. It's because it doesn't show up on a drug test. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I probably would try it. I heard it's not good. Mm. Like the high's not good and it's like no. gross to smoke. Is that like when people Because it's like legal, you can buy it places. Well, like, I mean, now that it's all legal. Right, yeah. Bye-bye, fake weed. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that was ironic, though, was Angel didn't participate in the drugs himself. Good for him. Yeah, right? Straight edge. I, I feel like that's very hard. Me too. But I mean, they do say, what is what is that catchy line that they always say about drug dealers? This is your brain on drugs. No. With the frying pan <laughs> and egg. No, it's like, don't. It's oh, catchier, like, don't do yeah, your own stash. Yeah, don't do your own stash. I but know it's it, something catchier yeah, than that. But I don't, yeah, I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> So later in 1996, Angel was growing tired of dealing drugs and seeing the destruction it was causing in people. Angel and Michael were no longer together. Angel was getting out of the game, and thus he was falling further out of favor with the club kids and Peter Gation. And Peter Gation's the one who owns the clubs. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. So in March of 1996, Angel went out to party at Limelight, but little did he know he was on a band <gasps> list. Yeah. Peter Gation had him had his bouncers violently toss him out of the club. Angel was humiliated and enraged. Oh my god. He's gonna go get his peer what are they called? Peer queens. I was gonna say something else. Peer queers? Yeah. I keep I, when they said that. And I'm like, that's probably so offensive, I'm not gonna say it. I mean, I can say it. Right? No. It rhymes. Why would I know. they not do peer queers instead of peer, peer queens? queens? Yeah. yeah. And queer isn't necessarily offensive. No. I just like the rhyme. Too. I know. It's much catchier. Yeah. So anyways, um, the next month in April 1996, on the beach in Staten Island, a couple of kids came across a soaked TV box duct taped together. As they approached the box to open it, they saw a horrifying sight. An arm was sticking out of the box. Ew, could you imagine? No. No, I could not. Would you walk up to the box and open it? Yeah. I don't think I would. Okay, can I please? So I, if I could tell listen, it was a human arm. I no. say this because I act like, oh yeah, I'm such a badass. I love true crime. I would no because I tell you this. There was in our neighborhood just like last week. There was just a backpack sitting in like three houses down in the neighbor's front yard by a bush. Yeah, just a backpack laying there, and I was like, what's in that backpack? I wonder what's in there. I bet it's a human head. Or, or a bomb. Or something. And I refused to open it. I walked by it, walking my dog like three times. And then Cameron was like, yeah, the neighbors called the police because it's not their backpack. Yeah, I would And they that. didn't open it. No. They like, called the police. Yeah, absolutely not. The police not. open it. So they opened it. And it was just like a box of leftover chicken wings and clothes. <laughs> How did you find that out? Cameron talked to the neighbors. The of neighbors course opened he did. it. And so then... The cops were like, we don't want it. Just uh, keep it. Just so throw like, it out. We're going to donate the backpack. Do you want it? And I'm uh, like, no. But I did not open it because I was terrified I, I was going to like find something or like drugs or something. Then I would be accused. Well, or there were drugs. You could have gave them to your best podcast co-host. <laughs> just so, kidding. Like, I just kidding. I like I would go up and open it. Probably not. I would have called the cops. 
Or mm. stuck it with a stick. What if an animal is in there? Fair. You know? Hmm. Anyways. Anyways, so the kids continued to open the box, and there was a torso it, inside the Okay, if I saw an arm, I wouldn't have kept the, opening it. Yeah, they opened the box. I would have thrown up. Enter detectives Tom Comis and Ralph Django. They were called to the scene, they opened the box, and they discovered that the body was putrefied. Meaning it had been in the water for a yeah, while. Yeah, a while. So they brought the box. Well, they didn't bring it back. The The box and the body were transported back to perform an autopsy. They found that the legs had been removed and the man was castrated. Ooh. Chopped his balls off, if you're wondering what that means. Just the balls? That's what that means? Well, I mean, there's well. different ways of like yeah. typical ca- castration means cutting the um, I don't know what they're called, the veins that attach that where semen comes out into the penis, oh, yeah, so yeah. that you can't have semen. Like that's what oh, they do for really? like vasectomy is yeah like castration. Oh, so but like there are different ways to do it, like chemical castration, chemical, yeah. surgical things like that. Okay. Um. So the body was so disintegrated, they couldn't identify the body at all. Oh, my God. They somehow were able to determine that they thought the body was of Asian descent. Okay. They checked with missing persons to see if there were any missing Asian men in their late teens to early 20s in the various New York City boroughs. None matched the limited description of the decomposed body. However, at the same time, some of Angel's casual friends and acquaintances started to realize they hadn't seen him in almost a month. Soon, Angel's brother Johnny went on a mission to find his brother. After all, he hadn't heard from him in almost two months. Shockingly, the NYPD was less than helpful. A minority, low-level drug dealer didn't rank high on their to-do list. I was going to say... A minority of the gay community, yeah. like they're not gonna care. Care and like just horrible. They, but. I mean, they and at that point they just knew that people just knew that he was missing. They didn't right, know they like, didn't, yeah. anything had happened to him. So I'm like, fuck that. Right. So, anyways, Johnny struggled to find. Uh, wait, he also struggled with getting help from the community because, after all, Angel wasn't liked by the club oh, kids yeah. either. So no one was really willing to help. What him. about these pure queers? <laughs> the hell <laughs> I'm not sure he knew where to find him <laughs> I can't with you <laughs> so at the time all of kinds of theories were floating around about where he was one being that he overdosed mm-hmm. because more and more club kids were ODing in the club but he didn't do drugs I know but I mean I mean they probably they, who knows yeah. like Right. Could have gone on to something. Yeah. You know, ketamine, crystal, crack as whack, as as Winnie Houston would say. Yeah. So, um, Michael Alec at the time was falling deeper and deeper into drugs. His partying was out of control. He had overdosed several times. And even his club themes took a dark mm-hmm. and sinister theme. Oftentimes, they were obsessed with blood, and people began to wonder about his new obsession. It became the hot goss that Michael potentially killed Angel. And this was his boyfriend, right? Ex. No, well, now oh, it's his ex, ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Yep. So Michael would get loaded at the clubs, and he began to admit to people that he murdered him. 
He was bragging about it. But did people think like, oh, he's high. He's just lying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Club goers wondered if he was just doing it to get notoriety. Yeah. After all, no stunt or joke was too big for him. Right. He was never taken seriously. Like, I don't know if I would either. If someone no. was like, yeah, I killed like my ex I'd be like, okay. No, absolutely not. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you told me you killed someone, I'd be right. like. <gasps> or like if you went into I'd like grave details, but if it was just like, yeah, I killed him. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't believe him. So uh, people began to even question the whole disappearance oh. as a publicity stunt. Oh, no. Even thinking that the missing post. Missing person posters. That's a tongue twister if I've ever had one. Were part of a scheme. Well, the missing po- the missing person posters were like wild. They didn't look like regular missing person oh, yeah, posters. Yeah, 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 they yeah. were like almost looked like promotions for a club. I know, but his brother, but his brother put them up. I know, but they were. Why were they so like avant garde? They weren't just like a photo I know, missing. I know, it was like weird. It was art weird with like you know what I mean. Yeah. The pictures were weird. I don't know. So I wouldn't have taken those seriously either. I guess. Okay. Anyways. So fast forward, an anonymous column was written in the Village Voice addressing the rumors that Alec killed Angel. Oh my God. It was like one of the first um, things. You know how now all the time on like Instagram and Twitter, not not, um, Twitter, but mostly Instagram where it's like that blind item about like reality TV stars. They post them all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like one of the first ones I feel like. Like blind item. Uh, so, uh, do you know who Michael Musto is? No. So he's like a, a famous columnist for the Village Voice, and I always saw him on um, M- or VH1 shows. Like he was always on pop up video. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love so, pop up video. So I didn't. I'm like, oh, so that's where he became famous. <laughs> so he actually had a job before that. <laughs> so Musto, using pseudonyms, uh, wrote an article that discussed a drug deal gone bad. It was surmised that Alec and Gation killed Angel over money. After the article had gotten back to Gation, he fired Alec from Limelight. He didn't want that kind of attention brought to his clubs. He was worried about the drug dealing and obviously the success of his clubs. He didn't want to be arrested. Um, there, are, there was a lot more about Gation in this, and I just didn't really fit, like felt like it. I thought it was like a side note, which That's was weird I mean. to me. Like I was like, why are you talking about this guy? Like because it was his clubs, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it was it was weird. Like I just didn't understand why. Yeah. Like it really mattered. But anyways, so then there was an, another uh, reporter that came into the picture. Frank Owen was his name, and he decided that he was going to do another investigation. So he investigated the disappearance. He contacted Peter Gation for the story, and Gation claimed he never even met Angel, which was an obvious yeah, why lie. Why lie about that? Yeah, I don't That's know. Weird. It was like further fueling the idea yeah. that he had something to do with right. it. Right. So Owen had discovered through sources that Angel Melendez went up to Alex's apartment one night, which I also think was weird. Like, how did he discover that when no one else, like? Claim to know anything, I guess. Maybe, but like, did he did he really investigate by like looking at building video, like surveillance oh, that's videos? Fair. How or, did he know? find it? Yeah. yeah, or talk to doormen or whatever. Yeah, I guess he maybe not from sources. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. You're so smart. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so at the apartment, they began to fight, purportedly over a drug debt. The fight between the two men became physical, and Angel was getting the better end of the fight. While pinned down on the floor, Alec cried out for help, and his roommate, fellow club kid, Robert Freeze Riggs, hit Angel in the head three times with a hammer. Oh, that seems a little obsessive. 
It's theorized that after he was knocked out, Alec smothered him with a pillow, killing him. I say theorized because Alec disputes the details of the event. Oh, so no one really knows, other than I mean, Alec it, he admits to it, and then yeah. he talks about it. So uh, it's believed that Riggs and Alec decided to pour drain cleaner down Angel's throat mm-hmm. and cover him in baking soda in an attempt to dissolve the body. Ew. How did, would that dissolve the body? They were drug addicts. They were high. They, I mean, oh. it didn't work, obviously. I was thinking like, oh, they put baking soda over him to hide the smell. Well, fast forward. Yeah. So after covering the body, they decided to go back to their drug binge and left him there for a week. Ew. Right? So now, side note out of the, the episode, I found the article, um, which was, was a lot of an interview with Alec uh, from The Guardian. He refutes these claims big time. He says, at first they didn't even know that Angel was dead. He said Riggs hit him, indeed hit him with three three times in the head, but it was with the wooden handle of the hammer, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like, how, if he hit him three times with the wooden, like, how big was the hammer? Right. Like, this, so this part seemed yeah. like a lie to me. So he said that they, he just, they just thought he was knocked out. He said no, sm- no smothering happened. And that they had called Gation for advice, but they were only able to reach his secretary, who gave him the name of a lawyer. They decided not to call the lawyer, feeling they would go to jail, and they just left him on the couch and took off. They didn't even think he was dead. Okay. I mean, uh, I can see that happening as well. It, it seems logical, you know? yeah. other than the part about the hammer, which I thought was like, Yeah, but like, on. also, can't they figure out if... He was actually smothered, or put, or his body was too far decomposed. Right? I think because they chat like they cut, cut his yeah. cut, a, cut everything off. I think not. He said that they put him in the bathtub after he, they figured out he was dead, but that was when they went back. Okay, they put drain cleaner and baking soda on the body to hide the smell and not to yeah, dissolve I could it, see it. Which that makes sense to me. That makes so sense. it seems yeah. like meh, he could be telling the truth, right? But anyways, after leaving the body in the tub for a week. The only right, isn't that sick? Also, you didn't shower for a week. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Ew! Like, what if you only had one bathroom and you had to go and use pee, and there's just a dead body? Well, this is the thing. They said that they only disposed of the body after their friends complained that their apartment stunk. Okay, wait. So none of your friends went into the bathroom? Like, how did they not see the dead body? Not see it. Yeah. Like, if it Ew. stinks, would, like, I don't know. I guess I don't go, when I go in people's bathrooms, open up the shower curtain. I guess they just yeah, got lucky. Yeah, me either, but, like, yeah, because you don't assume there's going to be, now yeah. I'm going to. I always. Always. Don't, <laughs> don't hide any dead bodies, because we will, <laughs> we, we will find, find them. It. Do you remember in grad school, on, like, Halloween, I was drunk, and I was hiding in the bathtub, and then when guys would go in to take a pee, I'd jump out of them, so they'd pee on themselves? No. I did it to, like, four people. That's hysterical. <laughs> No, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> so after their after their friends told them that their apartment stung, they decided to dismember the body. They put him in a box, Ugh. and the next day they took a cab. They put the box in the trunk. Okay, did the cab not smell it? Apparently not. They put it. They took a cab to the river and threw it in the river. The cab driver. And the cab driver wasn't like, "What are you throwing into the goddamn river?" Well, that was another. <laughs> that was another. Like that was another um, 
like questionable thing that I found in some of the side notes to, to in uh, Wikipedia and in the article. They were there were some people that claimed that the cab driver was a friend that, that he was in sense. on it. Yeah, that he just helped that he drove them, but he didn't know what they were doing. But they it, yeah. they claimed that the cab driver right. had to know them. They like how would know. how would they get away with right. that? Yeah. So the body would eventually wash up on shore because the dummies didn't put any holes in the box, so it floated and was eventually found. I wouldn't think it would float. The box? I would have thought because there's a body and it's going to sink. It's heavy. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. But bodies, when they get wet, they float. Flow, up, yeah. Right? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. See, I would have thought that it would sink. I'm I mean, if I ever killed someone, I would... Um, tie hams onto the body and take it to the Everglades and let the alligators eat it. Or wild boars. Like yeah. like in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I think it was Silence. No, it's one of the they other eat ones. everything, yeah. including bones. Bones. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, That's what I'm doing with your body. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so later in the year when the body came ashore in Manhattan, it was identified only by dental records. At that time, Alec was arrested. He was living in a hotel with his new boyfriend in New Jersey. And after picking up Alec, they quickly arrested Fareez Riggs in Manhattan. Both men claimed that they murdered him in self-defense. They subsequently confessed to the murder, took a plea, ge- plea deal, pleading guilty to manslaughter, serving uh, 10 to 20 years, being sentenced to 10 to 20 years. Both men got out of jail with Alex serving 17 years, being okay. released, released in 2014, and Riggs serving 14 years. Alec just actually died Christmas Eve 2020. Oh, really? Of a heroin overdose. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I, there's where I get, I mean, obviously, don't kill anyone, but I can see it being in self-defense. Oh, me too. I also think they served enough time for that then. Yeah, I don't dispute with it. Yeah. I don't dispute the facts of their case. No, like I, and I don't dispute like their amount of like sometimes I'm like, okay, they got out way too soon. I think that they twenty served years enough. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I need to know more. Yeah, I I don't know. It seemed like it wrapped up a little like super quick for yeah. me, which I thought was confusing. Like I remember the podcast that I listened to was way more in detail, and like they went into more of the time frame in between. Like when they killed him and the time that they ended up getting rid of the body. Okay. From what I remember. But I couldn't find it coincidentally. Mm. Huh. But anyways, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think the episode was very good. I, yeah. I was kind I of like excited kind to of do this one story. and I was like, meh. Yeah. I wanted more. Yeah. Like I wanted some sex, like yeah. threesomes, like. Stuff like that. I know. More yeah, talk the about movie, the drug use. I was excited to watch the movie because... um party monster because it's like a cast of thousands oh really yeah like macaulay culkin seth is it seth green the guy from can't hardly wait Mm. he's in it um dylan mcdermott and then who's the guy that was in that 70s show that dated Lindsay lohan will masters no danny masterson no the guy I just can't say his name. It's Wilderama. Oh, him. Wilmer Valderrama. Yeah, him. Wilmer Valderrama. Yeah, He's yeah, yeah. in it. Baz. And then the guy who plays Angel, I think, is one of the guys. David Boreanaz? No, he's Angel Mendez. Oh, hot. <laughs> I thought you meant the show. No. Like the, Buffy. The guy who plays him in the movie is the guy from Party of Five. I'm Which pretty guy? sure. 
I don't know. Some guy. I'm pretty sure he's in it. I never watched Party of Five. Either, Act like I knew I what you were think, talking about. <laughs> I, I've never watched it either, but I'm pretty sure he's in it. But I just recognized all the faces. I was yeah. like, oh, this is going to be good. And then it wasn't. And Macaulay Culkin was horrible. So, guys, let us save you some time. Don't watch Don't it. Don't watch it. The- like, sad that he died, but like. Yeah, I definitely. Not invested. Yeah. Like, I definitely. This did not need to fall into the deadliest decade. No. Like, why was it? Just because, like, the 90s. I guess. Kids, I mean. That's why. Yeah. Like, it's got pop culture references. And, like, it was yeah. kind of a big deal at the time. But I really feel like, not to be rude, but meh. Yeah. There's other bigger cases, I yeah. think, in the 90s. The juice is loose. Uh, okay. Okay. Also, it does I, not fit. I want to know more so from our listeners. Do you think Dolly Parton has tattoos? Good one. <laughs> Let us vaccine, know. Vaccine, vaccine, <laughs> vaccine, vaccine. Good one. All right, so let us know, guys. You can follow us on It Just Makes Sense Podcast on Instagram. Um, go to the Facebook group, It Just Makes Sense Podcast Discussion Group, and let us know about Dolly Parton in there. I'll post photos. Jolie. And then you Jolie. can follow me at www.salmonthebuff. You can follow me at Jeff Seif on Twitter, 1F. And then don't forget to like, listen, Smash share that us. subscribe button. And definitely recommend or share us around. Let other people know if you love us. Toss us listen. around like the filthy horse that we are. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.